Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy, and Happy New Year. It's Tuesday, January 7th, 2020, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Well, this is going to be a year of expansion for us because the Starseed community is growing by leaps and bounds. After almost 11 years online, it's become very apparent that we now need to add even more astrologers to keep up with the demand. So if you're already well-versed in astrology and are interested in learning the starseed aspects of astrology, please send an email to this address only, bc, um, like before Christ, bc lavendar, l-a-v-a-n-d-a-r. So it's all the vowels are A's, bclavendar at gmail.com. And Lavendar will be screening the candidates for training. Another change for 2020 is that this radio show will go to an every other Tuesday format. So the next show after tonight will be two weeks from tonight on the 21st of January. And our next two Starseed Quest to Arkansas will be March 20th through 23rd for the Spring Equinox Athena's birthday, and then again for Pleiadian Lineup, which is May 15th through the 18th um, in Arkansas. And this is a soul family reunion, and you must have at least one galactic degree on your chart. And please email crystals at starseedhotline.com if you feel the call to join us, and we will um, send you the information. Our guest this evening is joining us from Australia. Asher Cloran is an author, speaker, independent researcher, and is co-owner in a company called Life Rocks, which creates science-based education resource to help connect children to the magic of nature. Asher has written a book called Connecting Children to Nature, The Essential Guide for Parents and Teachers. The book provides a balanced and practical perspective on how to help our children and ourselves stay connected to nature in a technological world. Although it is mostly aimed at early learning and development, um, the, the book is. And alongside the Life Rocks team, Asher spends time creating interactive nature-based games that inspire a lifelong and hands-on connection to the natural world in a way that stimulates learning, awareness, and fun. Asher believes that the way to protect this earth and each other is to create deep connections to nature and our own nature. When humanity feels connected to the world around us, we create life rather than destroy it. So connection to the natural world is more important than ever. It is Asher's and the team at Life Rock's mission to help children stay connected to nature through learning, interactivity, and playfulness, which will assist in creating a future world where humanity is in partnership with nature and works cooperatively and creatively with the earth. Asher has been personally developed personally involved in the development of the studies of nature, physiology, psychology, food production, childhood development, Eastern arts, and learning, which has helped cultivate the views, content, perspectives, and motivations that Asher shares in his work. And you can check out the website, which is Life Rocks, 
www.anastasiastarseed.com.au. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And we would like to thank Kathy for hosting the switchboard tonight. Um, and if anyone has any questions, then um, we would be taking those at the end of Asher's presentation. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please just click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices uh, as long as you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com, and the Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart. And with the recent deluge of requests coming in, there's now a six-month wait to get the Stage 1. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one -on -one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself, and coming soon with Rebecca also. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing, and that only takes a few days. But if you want the Stage 2 interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order at least six months ahead of time so that you'll get it in before your birthday. So first up tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful, intriguing, and ever-fascinating Starseed News. Where's that applause? There it is. Hey. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yes, indeed. Happy New Year, everybody. It's great to be back. 2020, a very eventful year, I am certain. So much news to cover uh, after being apart for a while, so I'll get right to it. But again, it's really good to be back with all of you. In our planetary and climate section, that's where we're going to start this morning. This morning, listen to me. I was just looking at the word morning, where we're going to start this evening. Uh, the sun is quiet. It has a decaying sunspot of minimal consequence and a minor coronal hole with solar wind expected to re uh, arrive here tomorrow or Thursday. Now, there's some near-Earth asteroids coming up in the next few days. Today is the 7th. We're expecting one on the 9th, a couple on the 10th of particular significance, actually three. One of them, 2019 UO, is uh, really large, 331 meters. Could be passing by within 11.8 lunar distances. There's also one that's coming closer than that on the same day at 3.7 lunar distances. And toward the end of the month of uh, January, we have a massive one coming this way. So lots of asteroid activity. They're finding them all the time. Now, the 2019 United Nations Climate a change conference, also known as COP25, was held last month in Madrid, Spain, but nobody could predict the widespread climate chaos around the world last month. It was an unusually chart, uh, chilly start to summer, according to the news reports regarding Australia. They said that Australia, is, as you all know, is now experiencing record-breaking bushfires that caused devastating damage in December. The fires have torched towns and are still burning in January now and have displaced thousands of people and caused the deaths of a billion or so animals thus far. 
the reports of the number of animals vary from half a billion to a billion. Nobody knows. It's impossible to count. But it is truly a very difficult time for them. Also, last month, at least 150 houses were destroyed by a fast-moving woodland fire in the Chilean city of Valparaiso. That city has been hit with wildfires three times in the last five years. Residential areas there were still burning Christmas Day. And last month, there was snow cover across nearly half of the lower 48 states of the United States, about half of the country's landmass. This is the largest area for early December since snow cover records began. The snow cover reached as far south as Mexico's northern regions. And Iceland also recorded snow cover of 30 feet last month, while 8,000 vehicles were stranded in Kashmir as a result of three feet of snow. Now, Atlantic storms Elsa and Fabian wrecked havoc in Western and Central Europe, killed a bunch of people, caused widespread damage. It also caused severe flooding in Venice, where a sudden downpour of three inches combined with high tides inundated that ancient city. Heavy rains, floods, and landslides caused severe damage to homes and livelihoods around the world last month. 150 people were killed in Kenya, in uh, Iran. Thousands were affected in uh, Colombia. Colombia, excuse me, Beirut, uh, Beirut City was paralyzed with 50 ho- houses underwater in Indonesia. And recently, uh, automobiles were covered up in the flood waters in, in uh, Israel, in Tel Aviv, in central Israel. So there has been a tremendous amount of climate upheaval within the last month. And moving into January, my goodness. So here we go. We're bringing you up now to the present. Puerto Rico has declared a state of emergency after an earthquake rocked people there wide awake. Uh, People got up this morning to find broken brick walls and power lines that had fallen. It was a 6.4 quake struck before dawn. Now this was after uh, more than a week of less powerful timblers that started on the 28th of December. And today, many people just spent time outside. They were afraid of aftershocks. Now, uh, (laughs) Puerto Rico has had such a time of it. But anyway, this recent earthquake today uh, kicked in an automatic protection system, which automatically shut down all of their power plants. Yikes. There was a 6.4 magnitude quake that hit southeast of Indonesia's Aseth province. There were no immediate reports of damage or casualties due to that quake. But in Mexico, they had a 6.5 earthquake that hit Oaxa. And in Papua New Guinea, 6.0 quake uh, just happened today on Tuesday. That's according to the USGS. Now here's a story. Sit up and take note. There was a weird electrical charge detected running through the ground in northern Norway. Yesterday, the 6th of January, something very unexpected happened in the dirt of northern Norway. Electrical currents started flowing, reported a man who monitors ground currents at the Geophysical Observatory in Lofton. He said, it seemed to be some kind of shockwave. My instruments detected a sudden, strong variation in both ground currents and our local magnetic field. It was really a shock. Now, NASA's ACE spacecraft detected something as well. About 15 minutes before the disturbance in Norway, the interplanetary magnetic field near Earth abruptly swung around 180 degrees 
and the solar wind density jumped more than five-fold. Earth may have crossed through a fold in the heliospheric current sheet, which is a giant wavy membrane of electrical current rippling throughout the solar system. And while these currents flowed through the ground, auroras filled the sky. Now, this happened while the sun is quiet. Is the solar system grounded by a distant planetary body, perhaps a twin sun? What's going on here? Very strange. It's, that is something to pay attention to. Well, the Shishaldan volcano in Alaska has erupted. It's uh, cast forth 24,000 feet, uh, or 24, ash up to 24,000 feet in the air and made volcanic lightning. Wow. Wow. That is, uh, that's something. It happened, uh, the volcano is located about 58 miles southwest of Cold Bay. It's been active since July, but it's having lava flows now that are spreading along the north side of the volcano. And the periods of explosive activity have been uh, uh, intermittent, and it just happened today. And in Cordoba, Argentina... Several towns and cities there were battered by a sudden and violent dust storm that ripped roofs from houses, felled trees, and blocked out the sun. Locals noticed a big, dark cloud heading straight for their city. The temperatures fell dramatically, and then darkness descended as residents had to run away from the sudden downpour of hail and debris coming out of the sky. The dust storm enveloped the city in minutes, bringing it with downpours of uh, about two inches of rain in some areas. But the point being, it blocked out the sun. It turned night. And, you know, it's it's uh, summer south of the uh, uh, equator, guys. It's summer down there in New Zealand, Australia. Well, New Zealand residents could maybe be forgiven for thinking it was the middle of winter. Is here, not there when they woke up to the snow on their hills uh, yesterday morning. Snow fell in the high country in northern Southland, New Zealand, uh, they say, uh, uh, Sunday night, because they are having a January cold snap. Now, that is their summertime. And animals turning up in the wrong places. A king penguin has turned up on a beach in Tasmania, Australia, 1,500 kilometers from home. According to conservationists, they're telling us that it's a rare thing to see king penguins in Tasmania. It's quite a ways north from the usual range. Said it's not unheard of, maybe a couple of times before. People don't know what's going on. They don't know if the bird was lost. But three months ago, another king king penguin turned up thousands of kilometers from home at Cape Point Beach in South Africa. So yet another case of birds just being in the wrong places. And two different seal species from the Arctic turn up in Ireland. Now, this is a a species, they're called hooded seals, and they belong in the Arctic. And this seal species spends much of its life away from land, but it's now been seen as far south as the Mediterranean Sea at times. Now it's been seen in Ireland. They said that there's only been six uh, previous Irish records from 1836 
1898, and then notice this leap in time from 1898 to 2001, 2006, 2012, 2016, and now again in 2019. Well, the science section. Let's take a look at what's going on in science. This is pretty exciting, guys. The SOFIA telescope has captured detailed images of the center of our Milky Way galaxy. NASA has captured an extremely crisp infrared image of the center of our Milky Way galaxy that spans a distance of more than 600 light years. This panoramic view reveals details within the dense swirls of gas and dust in high resolution, opening the door to future research into how massive stars are forming right now and what's feeding the supermassive black hole at our galaxy's core. Among the features coming into focus are the jutting curves on the Arches Cluster, containing the densest concentration of stars in our galaxy, as well as the Quintuplet Cluster, with stars a million times brighter than our sun. Wow. Our, galaxy, our galaxy's black hole takes shape with a glimpse of the fiery-looking ring of, grass, of gas that surrounds it. Now, the new view was made possible by the world's largest airborne telescope called the Stratospheric Observatory for Infrared Astronomy, or SOFIA. Flying high in the atmosphere, this is a modified uh, Boeing 747 that's equipped with special uh, infrared cameras. Uh, scientists are just freaking out about this. They're saying that this is putting together some puzzle pieces about our galaxy that have been missing. And they are busy scouring these this images, uh, putting two and two together. They say it's going to give a much better understanding about the galaxy in which we live. Can you imagine suns million times brighter than ours? No. And a black hole at the center of the galaxy? And on and on it goes. Amazing stuff. You can Google that and find it. And I suggest that you take a look at those photographs. And let's talk about our brains for a second. You know, uh, in our uh, way of thought, we understand the internal power that we possess spiritually and otherwise. Well, scientists have discovered a new form of brain activity related to how cells process information. Now, this incredible find suggests that our brains might be more powerful than anyone previously imagined, according to this research, which was conducted by German and Greek scientists and published in the uh, journal Science. And this research centers on signals sent and received by the ends of our neurons, these are called dendrites. And the information that's passed on these parts of the brain is key to how the organ decides the actions it's going to take. What they did was they worked with slices of human brain tissue, and they found unexpectedly complicated electrical activity in the dendrites of the human neurons. Modeling this activity then showed that single neurons were capable of solving computational problems which were never thought possible. They had no idea that the human brain had this kind of computational capability. That has a lot of implications and is yeah. fascinating. We're much more powerful than we think. All right, let's get talk about our social section here, what's going on. Gold is up. 
Gold surged yesterday to a near seven-year high uh, because of the uh, situation with Iran. It's uh, stirring fears among the public and investors of the wider conflict that might be possible in the Middle East. Palladium uh, surpassed $2,000 for the first time, and gold was up over 1%. It's now at 1568 per ounce. Um, their experts are saying they anticipate its continued rise. And uh, following the airstrike on the Iranian general, border screenings are creating travel fears for Iranian Americans amidst the rising tensions between these countries. Iranian American citizens say they're scared to travel, and some are dropping international trips after U.S. citizens of Iranian descent have been held by U.S. immigration agents for as long as five up to 12 hours at the airports and U.S. ports of entry over this past weekend. Some report that they're being stripped of their passports and car keys, and they're being extensively questioned. Immigrant advocates say some Iranian-Americans are concerned about being unfairly targeted by the Customs and Border Protection amidst escalating tensions between Iran and the United States. And in Finland, they have a brand-new prime minister. This woman has called for the introduction of a flexible working schedule that would involve let's all go to Finland, a four-day work week and six-hour days. This is a woman prime minister who's the youngest female head of government in the world, and she has announced the intention to, to trial this initiative, which she claims could be the next step in working people's lives. She's only 34 years old, and uh, she told uh, newspapers in Europe, she said, I believe people deserve to spend more time with their families their loved ones, with their hobbies, and other aspects of human life, such as culture. This could be the next step for us in a working way of life. So, four-day work weeks and six-hour days. That sounds like a plan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the progress that young people can bring to the table. And she's the youngest woman of a head of government in the entire world. And she comes up with a very female thing, something that allows people to spend more time with their families, even themselves, with nature. I love the topic of, of tonight's show. I mean, this is so important for people, so important for children in this technological age. So I applaud our guest for what's being done there. And a prime minister who says, you know, people are human and they need time to think and not be so absorbed with action and activity. In other words, I consider that to be a step up from uh, the near abject slavery that we see ourselves descending into to uh, some freedom, freedom to be, right. and freedom to experience spirit. All right, our quote until next time we're together. This comes from Helen Keller. So for 2020, let's think about this as we launch our year. She said, alone we can do so little. Together we can do so much. Hmm. Ah, together. Wonderful yes. word. Coming together in a time of many factions, much confusion, much change. But in our group, our Starseed group, there is great community. And in that, there is power and strength. And we can launch into this new year with great hope, determination, the strength of our spirits and our dendrites to, <laughs> to create change in this world. So 
It's beautiful to be alive. What a gift. From my heart to each one of you, much love, happy new year, and I look forward to getting together again with all of you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much, Ariel, for this opportunity. Oh, you're and so welcome. You do such a good job with the news. <laughs> I'm a little tongue-tied tonight. I'm out of practice. We've been off too long. <laughs> but, but anyway, I'm looking forward to tonight's program. This is so important. I'm so supportive of this. So I eagerly listen with both ears tonight. Okay. So thank you ahead. Thank you right. in advance to our guest for what, what's being done here. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Okay, so um, I'm going to get, uh, let's see, Lavendar, where there you are, and and then I'll get Asher's mic open. Hello. Okay, we are on go. Hello, Asher. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ariel. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, it, it's our pleasure. Lavendar, um, are you ready to go? I'm here. I'm here, ready to okay. go. All right, take it away. So, so Asher, I spoke to you a couple of years ago and yeah. uh, told, told you that when you were ready to come on our show to let me know. So I'm uh-huh. so proud to, to see that you had sent me an email saying that you were ready. And then when I saw the, the work that you were doing, I got so excited because we have always known that the star kids and the new kids on the planet were going to be the ones that were going to set down the new alternative blueprints that we're going to live by, uh, especially after everything crumbles and falls apart, it'll be the it'll be the starseed kids that rise and make it happen. So That's right. uh, by by saying that, I'm saying welcome, welcome, welcome tonight because I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled <laughs> that you chose to be on the show tonight. So just tell us a little bit about yourself and how this came about for you to uh, write the book and write everything that you're doing for for these new generation kids that are here. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks, Lavender. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be here as well, and it's been a dream come true. been listening to the podcast for years and always um, been inspired and helped me shift perspectives and see, see things in new ways. But my, um, I guess, beginning into this material took a turn when I had an awakening to the beauty and awesomeness of life um, when I was at university in Canberra and I decided that I needed to focus on the simple things, connecting to nature, connecting to my own health and my own um, peace and and that of my family. So I moved home and instead of going down the conventional route of university, uh, studies, I became a very serious independent researcher and um, studied studied nature and biology and physiology and I've worked in um, a couple of different schools to learn and discover those things about myself and the world and I, from, from one of those teachers that I had, I took on a thing that was um, knowledge is wealth and I decided back then that as long as I continue to cultivate the knowledge in the directions that I wanted to learn about nature to discover about healing and health and development uh, that the right time the right people and the right projects would arrive and they did and 
uh, at the time I was working one day in a organic store and also managing my own horticulture, uh, permaculture type business and doing a bit of health coaching and stuff on the side. And I'd started to meet a man who came into the shop. He was a geologist who had a career in mining and his, his karma project or his uh, legacy work, you might say, was to help connection, help connect children to nature through science, through cultivating a passion for science. Um, people know more, and when you know more, you seek to protect nature rather than break it down. And that was an immense inspiration for me at the time to see this man in his older years wanting to turn the rest of his time into passion and something that was going to support the younger generations. And he asked me to do a, a kit, a, to make a game out of the knowledge of soil science and make it something that uh, preschool kids could understand and develop. And I thought that sounded like a great idea. So I got my teeth into it and we've, we've cultivated that um, soil board game all the way through to about, 90% development now after, after about two and a half years work. Um, essentially, John then invited me into the project and he said, I want you to be owner of the company and run the whole show and that he, he was just going to be um, an advisor for the time after that. So that's really how I got started with Life Rocks. And once the ball was rolling, I thought, well, we need to create a book that's the philosophical and um, intellectual justification behind why we create uh, science-based resources and why connection to nature is so vital and how it can help all of these younger generations growing up um, develop health healthfully and in the in the best way possible. So that's really so how it started. Yeah, yes. Um, I always have known that nature is your textbook and, and yeah. all the walks that I've taken in the woods have always, I've always come out of the woods with new understanding about a lot of things. And it was nature that always triggered my higher mind to go further in my life. So I was Absolutely. very thrilled to take nature as, as your textbook. And as I was reading through to some of your materials, I noticed that you've really taken a strong interest and, and the usage of technology and yeah. how important it is for this younger generation not to be addicted to their smartphones and to their technologies. So could you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I'm getting really, really upset when I go to restaurants and different places and people are just looking at their phones. They're not talking to each other anymore. Well, that's right. And it's not getting any better um, out there in terms of, the amount of saturation and the amount of exposure we all have to technology, it's um, only ever more available. And it's not about banning the technology from the children. Yes, we have to reduce the harm from technology as much as possible and mitigate what impact the technology has. But there also needs to be an acceptance that we are in this technological world. We have 
all of this technology now and we need to use it properly. We need to use it in a way that's going to build up our development, help our minds, help the planet grow and create uh, ecological solutions through our use of technology. And that these are really the, the role model uses of technology. So rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which can sometimes be the, um, the reaction of a parent who's really trying to keep technology away from the children. And I, I went to a Steiner school, so I went to an alternative school where there was already a large push for parents to ban technology use and, and, and limit screen time or completely obliterate screen time for their children at school. So I grew up in a culture where that was accepted, that screen time was limited, and there were definite benefits to that. But yet I also saw the downside to when a child was completely removed from any use of technology because it not only separated them from their peers, but didn't set up maybe a healthy relationship with the technology in the first place to be something that is constructive and creative and purposeful. So, so can you give a, um, a little a thumbnail sketch of how to use your technology because you worded it so well in, in the article that you wrote, I mean the book that you wrote. So could you yeah. just kind of walk us through how to use the technology proper like in the bedroom or the things that you wrote about? Just, just go ahead Absolutely. and name some of the things that you because I think it's really important for our our audience to be reminded of of the things that are happening with these smartphones and the things that are uh, hurting a lot of people on the planet at the same time it's a blessing and a curse like you yes. said so go ahead and, and give us some more explanation of how it works yeah sure yeah and I just wanted to lay that out in the in the first place because um, taking a moderate stance with technology isn't about ignoring the harmful aspects of technology. It's about looking really clearly at what is the impact of this technology, the Wi-Fi signals, um, disrupting deep sleep patterns, the blue light from the screen, disrupting circadian rhythms, uh, the posture from using these devices, creating extra strain on the back of the neck and the postural muscles. So it's not about ignoring those those harmful aspects of technology, but it is about mitigating them and putting them into a context. So I'll just dive in now to what what is what is the harm behind technology? Well, some of the things I just mentioned, a lot of uh, preschools and early learning centers now are being pushed to use iPads, being pushed to use uh, touchscreen devices as education tools. Um, I'm not for it, I think, that children of that young age have many, many, many other ways to develop and learn and, and um, go about that process than using screens. Yet, if these things are going to be used, um, making sure that they're that not just frequencies um, around everywhere and schools can have stands for their iPads, which means the iPads are set in a place that's healthy 
for the posture of the child, um, meaning the neck isn't going to be bent forwards. For every inch that the neck moves forwards from its uh, resting neutral position, it's like putting 10 pounds of weight on the on the uh, muscles of the neck. So you can imagine, you know, a life lived. It doesn't take longer than five years for a child to be using the device uh, regularly in a way that, with that down forward head posture, for them to have very serious neck issues for um, even into their teenage years. So the wireless signals, the posture is a thing. Um, the blue light damages the eyes and can disrupt sleep patterns, increase stress levels. Basically, also, the, the teachers and the parents need to become the role model used for this technology because we can't tell the children what to do and how to use it if ourselves are not also doing the same thing. So we've got an adult workforce nowadays that on average sits at a screen for eight hours a day to do their work and then will spend another three hours a day on a screen for leisure. Now the work satisfaction and health outcomes for that um, amount of screen time is generally really low. Yet these are the parents that are having to go and earn the money to provide for the family. So in front of the screen, yet we need to put it into context for the children by having some conversations and stuff around technology and its use and say, well, when the parents are using the screen, they're doing it for to make money, they're doing it to support the family, but that leisure time on a screen is a totally different thing and I think that needs to be put into context and assessed in the family and uh, yeah I hope that helps helps the listeners to cover a bit of the ground on what the technology is doing the other side of it obviously is the psychological aspect now all of these apps and all of the games have been engineered to keep you in the app and the game longer hopefully we see an age where uh, technology and app designers start to use that same psychology to our benefit to help support the rhythms of our body and help support our circadian rhythms and create a healthy lifestyle. But right now, these apps and games tend to work against us. So really having a chat with other parents in your community, um, having a chat with teachers and seeing what games and things are being used in the classroom, having a chat with the parents around and seeing, well, what games are being shared and are they appropriate? Can they be limited? Can they be reduced? Parents and teachers need to become curators for their child's interaction with technology, meaning that they look at the options, they look at what's out there, they play a bit of the game themselves, they get into the media themselves so they can understand it and then they can give an adult context and perspective to their child as their child is watching. Now the child isn't just isolated with the technology 
they're getting this feedback loop that's coming from the real world, that's coming from a human connection and is able to create a contrast between their experience of the technology and an, an adult perspective or another perspective. And I feel like it's that contrast that can really help the children stay, stay grounded to stop them from um, getting lost in the technology and for them to see that technology is only another part of life and that it's always still going to demand interaction and thought that goes outside of the program. So let me ask you, um, you're in Australia. Uh, yes. what, what, what part of Australia do you live? I live in New South Wales. So we've been, we've had You've fires. You've got fires. Yeah, we had fires about 10 kilometres north and 10 kilometres south from where I lived. Everyone was on red alert and uh, got evacuated a few times and evacuated on New Year's Eve. And we've had the sky go completely black by 11 a.m. and have to use a torch. It's been an interesting time. Oh, my goodness. Well, we have a lot of star seeds that are sending a lot of healing energies to you and to your country, and we're very, very concerned, and we want to be able to help all that we can. But I wanted to ask you about your surroundings now concerning this technology. Have they put cell phone towers on top of churches and schools in your country? Yes, yes they have. Oh, um, good. I've seen them going up on top of different buildings, churches, supermarket and yeah it's something that Australians are not very aware of is the risks of uh, wireless technology in fact the um, the chief engineer at Telstra who is the major telecommunications network in Australia um, it's an interesting story may have heard of it but he was the um, chief engineer he had over 25 different scientific degrees in engineering and um, wireless electronics and things like this. He helped to establish the 5G network for Telstra in Australia and develop the technology to the point at which he got cancer himself and said, I can no longer promote or create this technology, at which point he was fired from Telstra. And um, he borrowed a friend's armoured vehicle and uh, destroyed three signal towers and a telecommunications tower because he was that passionate about shutting down the 5G network because of the harm uh, that can take place from those signals. So that's a little Don't you think that more of that's going to happen? Is, don't you think more people are going to kind of get outrageous with their, with their anger about 5G and, and start doing a lot of different things about this? Don't you see that happening? I, I do. I do see that happening, and then I also see the need for there to be really constructive, clear, um, and scientific work with our governments, because there are ways of assessing these signals that are available to the citizens. So I'm always promoting citizen science, where we get our own EMF readers, we create um, records of different places, and then we present that material to to the different councils and uh, bodies because I mean, not everyone 
trucks into cell phone towers and that happened back in 2003 I might add so it's not exactly a, um, new news but it's only really surfaced. I can't remember what country this is but I heard about ambulance drivers that were hooked up to some kind of 5G frequency and they yeah. drove around for several days or weeks and three of them died. Wow. By being in this in this ambulance that was wired up with with 5G, I can't remember what country that is uh, right now, but I but that was alarming to me to hear that. Yeah. 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 It's definitely not good, and I hope to see there'd be more awareness about it, and um, that's part of my hope as well in creating this book is to go around uh, to schools and talk to them about their EMF hygiene and their EMF practices and, um, yeah, just create some awareness around some issues because not everyone's been able to wrap their head around the topic. So let me ask you, for for future thinking about what you're doing, have you thought yeah. about putting together um, maybe when people when kids are out of school, putting together a nature camp where they can come and, and learn all the new metaphysical ways of, of dealing with life. Is that is that part of <laughs> working on? Yeah. yeah, great. You've hit the nail on the head. So this um, this year we're, we're doing a couple of camps in Australia, which will be for uh, parents and their children. And we'll do it in the bush or out in nature somewhere. And there'll be one or two scientists who will come and do a class and It'll be based upon observation in the field, different aspects of nature. Um, we'll do another session where we have all of the scientific kits and resources that we've created. And then we'll also have some um, Indigenous representation from Australia to teach some lore and to teach some stories from the land. And all of that will be, be uh, you know, catered with wild sourced organic uh, food and it'll be a lovely retreat so we're planning on doing two of those this year and then building into more and more bigger events in the future because yeah definitely the the power of being in nature with people and with community and and sharing um, knowledge is just immensely beneficial. So do you have a, a good partnership with New Zealand for things like this? Can you also maybe do a, uh, a retreat in New Zealand with, with the same kind of uh, blueprint? Absolutely. Yes. I'm um, Now, after writing the book, which was a bit more of a, an introverted kind of year I had last year, now I'm contacting all of the different people who inspired me to write the book or different people that I mentioned in the book who run their own uh, nature camps and experiences. And um, I'm looking to get out there and, yeah, create experiences overseas and collaborate and because there are a lot of people doing uh, similar work, looking to connect children to nature in different ways. Some people are more exposing um, the science and other people are more focused on you know, the nature camps. There's a woman, um, Angela Hanscom, who wrote um, Barefoot and Grounded. And the school's uh, Timbernook, 
is something that she's created over in in America that's just absolutely fantastic. Children, um, so yes, I'll be I'll be creating my own events and looking to get involved in others, and it's always a big um, sharing and learning process. Be sure and send me the link to her work. We we'd like to have her on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So. Um, her book. Her tell, book tell us more. Barefoot. Is, is yeah. Angela Hanscom. It was a, a great inspiration. Great, great. So, are you planning on visiting the America or United States anytime soon? Yes, I am. So I've um, been contacting early learning conferences over there and looking to be a guest speaker. And um, that's my plan for 2020 is to make it over to the States. Well, be sure and let us know when you're coming this way. We want to support and help you in any way we can. And when you have these events, you know, uh, come on our show and, and, and talk about it. If, even if you just come on for five or ten minutes, you want yeah. to announce a date and a time and a place where everybody's going to be gathering, we, we want to help you with this. My next question is, have you ever been to Ayers Rock? I absolutely have. Absolutely have, and it, it was a big um, part on my journey, actually, as Rock. I had a dream about Uluru um, back in 2012, early 2012, that I had to be there for the the um, December 21st, 2012 alignment, and I met a um, wonderful soul family out there, and we're still connected today, and um, yeah, really, really changed my life going to that that beautiful place. Well, I have never been there. Um, I have a lot of people that have taken Giza crystals and planted them around, you know, uh, the place. I have often wondered to um, go there myself. I don't know if I'll ever be able to travel there in this lifetime, but I, I yeah. certainly have a, a special place in my heart for not only Ayers Rock, but also all of Australia. Um, it seems that years ago I could have married someone and gone to Australia to, to grow sheep, <laughs> and I yeah. turned him. <laughs> okay, so, so back to connecting children to nature. I think this is probably one of the most important assignments that um, you'll ever have in your life because this is – so extremely important right now because of what's happening in the world and the way that children are coming in. They're coming in different. We have a different kind of consciousness that's stepping into physical bodies. And we see a lot of uh, young people, you know, taking their own lives and, and not being able to manage or handle their, um, their new awareness. So uh, what you're doing is so needed at this time. Uh, there, there needs to be more of you connecting to the, to these projects because it'll yeah. be up it'll be up to you and, and the new kids to uh, put the blue blueprint down for our planet and the things that are coming in our future. So yeah. I, I can't uh, applaud you enough for the work. Bravo, bravo, bravo. That's what <laughs> I have to say today. Okay. Oh, thank you, thank you, Lavender. Yeah, I um. My next, my next question is. Have you have you been aboard ship? Have, do you have missing time? Have you seen an ET? Is there anything that you could share with us? Because you know everybody that listens to our show, they're awake. Yes. Won't shock Absolutely. anybody on our show. Okay. 
Absolutely. And absolutely, I have. My whole life, I've, um, I've had contact experiences. Um, I saw UFOs when I was 13. That was um, a very powerful experience. And I've, I've seen all, all manner of things um, in the Australian bush, floating orbs of light and um, what, what people might call min-min spirits. Um, and I guess that's part of what drew me to my quest for knowledge was all of these little experiences throughout time that I could just never really explain, but at the, sum, at the same time, they were what drove me to know more. Uh, they were what inspired me to see that the world was a bigger place than I had imagined or had been told up until that point. And then through following those experiences, I realized that yeah, there's a synchronicity there. There's a message coming through these events and these these uh, things in the universe that have led me on to this path and through connection to the the elemental realm and more of that fairy realm. I believe that that's where where it led me to is to write to write this book and to attain these uh, knowledge and the information that I could then distill into helping in this way, that actually it's all come from me being following and being true to those mystical experiences that I know all of your listeners are probably pretty well versed in, as I'm one of your listeners too. <laughs> so have you also done any work with the Aborigines people? Um, I've intermittently and not consistently, yet the artist who I work with, who is also my best friend, and I'm excited to show some of the artwork. It'll it'll thrill it'll thrill everyone. I just haven't we just haven't prepared it to the point at which we um, are able to deliver yet, but um, that's coming. But the artist Nick, he's a he's a bushman. He lives basically by himself in the bush. Um, quite a mystic, and he is in contact with the indigenous. He's just about to go through um, initiation into um, the indigenous tribes. So I'm, I'm looking to make more contact this year and uh, that'll be a good thing. Absolutely. Because we, we want to support their message in our work and support their wisdom through what we're doing and help, um, yeah, help our work be a bridge as well for uh, for for their knowledge to get into the schooling system and the education in a in another way. Well, there's your second book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll keep coming. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, I am so proud of you. I I just I'm thrilled to know that that uh, after talking to you two years ago that that uh, I was able to give you some information that helped to launch you where you are right now. So I'm like a proud galactic mama, okay? Just let, let me be that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, super grateful. And, yes, it definitely helped set me on my track. <laughs> well, see, I can see that you're going to lay this blueprint down 
that's going to be copied by other countries and other and other um, uh, star seed communities. I can see that this is just the beginning. And look how young you are. I mean, it's like you've got so many wonderful years ahead of you to complete all of these assignments, and that's that's glorious. So I'm um, looking yeah. at. I'm looking at the time now, and I need to pass you over to my co-host, Ariel, who has the switchboard. I don't know if we have anyone on there to ask you questions or comments, but we always Definitely. give us a chance to connect. So would you be willing to talk to some of the people that may want yeah. to talk this evening? Yeah, absolutely. Any any questions are a good question. Okay, so just just know that anytime you want us to announce something, or if you want to email me and, and keep me abreast of what you're doing so that we can help you, just yeah. know that the Starseed community is we've got your back. Okay? We've oh, got well, your back. Thanks. And Excuse we certainly are going to send <laughs> send a lot of galactic secret service your way right now because <laughs> I know that you and your surroundings need it at this time. So back to you, Ariel. Thank you, Lavender. Okay. Well, I just I love what you're doing, Asher, and uh, just can't commend you enough. So um, before we get started uh, chatting further, uh, I just yeah. want to tell our listeners that if you would like uh, to ask a question or make a comment uh, with Asher, then if you're already on the switchboard, then you only need to press 1 on your keypad so that we know you want to ask a question. And if you're just listening on the computer, then pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1. And we'll get you um, set up to ask a question. And uh, it's a great opportunity because <laughs> it's like uh, being able to talk to someone in um, Australia for free. So, um, <laughs> well, we're waiting to see. And, and uh, as I mentioned um uh, before the show started, uh, we we don't really often have a, a bunch of callers and sometimes none. So yeah. it's no reflection. It's no reflection on you. It's just that a lot of people listen to the show after the fact. They don't listen live as much as they do um, the next day. That's so, right. Um, no, I've so listened just, to the show long enough now to to know the drill. And uh, okay. some, some of the guests, I thought, oh, why does nobody? Ask them a question. There'd be some great questions, but it's just how it goes, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it just it just depends on um, on who's listening at the time and whether or not they have questions. So um, yeah. I, I just put it out there, and we'll wait and see what happens. But um, I wanted to um, just talk a little bit more about because this is this is so important and. I mean, like Lavendar, um, I, I'm just horrified when I go into a public place and, mm -hmm. I, and I see all these um, smartphone zombies. Yes. And, and, and they're all, you know, they all have their head bent over. And uh, it just, I mean, just recently, just for Christmas, I, I went to a, a community theater play and... Yep. I walked in, and and these are people of mostly all ages. And as I, I'm walking down the aisle, I looked, and more than half of the people in the theater were on their phones. And and I was like, oh my gosh, 
because I'm sensitive to that. When I'm in a place where there's a whole bunch of people on cell phones, um, yeah. it, it starts to it, it starts to affect me physically. Um, yes. So I mean, and I, I was just reminded, and of course, then when you go to the airport, everybody's got their phone on, and I, I did I did a little bit of uh, research just to see because I know that like well, ten years ago, the wireless industry was like a two billion or two hundred billion dollar industry and i went and checked wow. because i said that's got to be more by now well it's now it's six trillion six trillion dollar industry which yeah. means that it's i mean almost every man woman and child um has a cell phone and it's yeah. it's it's a very very serious and the thing is that you know when an industry is making that much money yeah. they're not going to try to discourage you in any way um right. you know well, and, and, and normal, normal now for... exactly and and there's such they have they have um um what is the what they have uh, planted uh, cultivated complacency yeah or people just don't think it's you know they don't, they don't even think about it and then when yeah. they start to feel bad they never put two and two together yeah. Um, you know, so and the, and putting the you know cell phone towers uh, on schools and and public buildings, um, people just really need to wake up, and and that's yeah. why I'm I was so happy to see the content um, in your with your book and and your work and what you're doing um, because this this needs to be global, the awareness yeah. needs to be global. And um, we're talking about airports. Uh, I also uh, I saw a, a YouTube video that has since been removed um, due to censorship, but it was a former uh, TSA employee, which is the Transportation Security Administration, and you probably every country has some form of that, I'm sure. But they have these these um, booths now in the airports. Where you know to, for for metal detection and all, and okay. those booths are using that 5G um, technology to detect the things. And in this video, the woman was saying that she worked only two months as a TSA employee, and she was standing next to that booth um, mm. eight hours a day. And in two months, she had stage four cancer, and wow. that the uh, the uh, incidence of cancer. In in the TSA employee um, realm, had gone up 400 percent with the yeah. introduction of these booths. So, I mean, it's just it's it's very frightening because the people are are they're they're being deceived. Yeah. So that just that makes what you're doing all the more important to help well, I, I bring the, the truth. I love to highlight certain uh, people who really use technology in the best way possible. And I see it happening in some of the youngest generations, people like um, Boyan Slat from Norway, uh, creating a company now based to create innovative ideas to clean up the ocean. Um, and then there's a, a woman Tiffany Carey from Detroit who assessed that the pollen from ragweed 
in abandoned parking lots was affecting allergies to the people in the community. So she got local science classes to come out and assess the pollen and see what reduction methods could be done. And, and then um, it's, it's worked. And there's another, another young woman, Stella Bowles, up in Canada who's attained something like $12 million from the Canadian government to keep a river clean through going out and doing private testing of the waters All of these young people, they're taking charge of technology and they're using, um, they're using it in the right ways. And then as long as we can keep that in perspective, something to aspire to, then also just spread the awareness about what is the right use of technology? Well, those children are doing it really well. What's the wrong use of technology? The wrong use of technology is becoming fully addicted to distracting games, um, distracting social media, not using technology in a forthright and decisive and clear manner, but using it uh, mostly to entertain and to entrain the brain into addictive patterns. So I think when we, when we become aware that that's the polarity or, or the polarities of the technological experience, then then we can navigate. We know what's good and we know what's bad. But in the past 30 years or whatever it's been since we've really pulled technology out of Pandora's box and given it to the public, uh, we haven't had that awareness of what is the rightful use of this stuff and what is really harmful stuff. And now I feel like we really know now. All the research is out. All of the awareness is out. We've been doing it long enough now to see the effects of um, harm on development to our children and to ourselves. So now, now it's up to the adults of this world to take charge of their use and then inspire um, a, a more positive relationship with technology to the younger generations. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, as long as as long as you master, if you're the master of the technology, then that's good. But if you're the slave. Then it's a whole different story, and you know what about the the the, the psychological um, consequences or ramifications when yeah. when people people don't talk to each other, you know they don't interact as much. You know they'll, uh, I mean, I, I've got I've got a nephew that if you're not if you don't text him you can't connect with him. Yeah right. And and that's I mean. It, it really don't you think that it it um, yes. kind of stunts social skills <laughs> you know when Absolutely. they're when they're you know when you're when you're dealing with uh you know software and computers um there's no heart and, no heart, and it's, no body language. it's yeah. yeah right right so um it would i mean it would seem to me that that psychologically that one of the side effects the one of the disadvantages and the um, the, the bad uh, effects of of being um, well seduced really this technology is very seductive because it it gives you the illusion of power that's that's absolutely right and even in my own work having to produce the book and run the company and build the kits um, 
I've come to something similar to what Anastasia shared in the in the Starseed News is that about six hours a day on a screen is is really an upper limit for the for the biology of my body at the moment to feel and stay in balance. So, um, you know, I think we are going to be looking at a reshape of our modern work culture and what that means because eight hours at a sitting desk um, looking into a screen that produces blue light is not, it's not a recipe for any sort of good health. And um, so, yeah, taking things more seriously in our workplace, like by using sit-stand desk options, which have been shown to improve um, circulation and using screen filters to block the blue lights and using blue blocker glasses to, again, reduce the blue light. And, um, there's simple things you, that we can do to our workplace to, yeah, start to bring that nature back into our workplace and back into our home because nature is just about restoring the balance in, in the body to what what is suitable for homeostasis. And do you um, agree? I've heard uh, we've had different guests addressing, you know, EMF saturation in the body that um, if you take your shoes off and just go stand outside or, mm. or go out into, you know, nature, but just really connect with the earth, even barefoot. That's why I love the title of was that Angela's book. Is, is Was that Barefoot? Yeah, Balanced and Barefoot. Barefoot and Grounded. That, uh, um, balanced and Barefoot. So just going out and walking in your bare feet on the, on the earth is yes. uh, a, a detoxing of um, of the radiation that, that builds up from day-to-day -day usage. Absolutely. Um, you know, nothing, nothing's as good as an outdoor environment. The, the undulating ground uh, fires off our postural muscles, so it makes our whole nervous system more activated than a level ground that we only get inside a home. There's about a thousand times more light outside than there is inside, even with all the lights fully on. The sun is always producing more light. Uh, the air quality is always better. There's 10,000 different outgassing chemicals in, in a modern home. Uh, so really, nature is, nature is everything. Nature is also the most effective place to go for healing because it contains every single facet. Um, if we were to try to address some of those things that we mentioned before, like lighting and air quality and undulating ground, you know, we might have to have a, a grounding mat with pressure point activations and then like a, a red light that's bringing infrared light into the home and, uh, and an air filter. But these are just, uh, ways of trying to make our modern home more like a natural environment. So definitely any time spent in nature, you can be assured that you're, um, you're getting the most bang for your buck, really, that you can. That you can. Well, yeah, and, it, <clears throat> and if you, you listening to the news and the, the, um, the weather upheavals, mm -hmm. it's global. It's global. Yeah. I don't think there's any country that has not been touched 
with either floods or snow or fire or earthquakes or volcanoes and and yeah. um i mean in 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 my opinion this is kind of a repercussion from all the disrespect yeah. and the disconnecting from from yeah. mother nature and you know she's always going to win <laughs> always going to win and we have to work with her mm. um so yeah, it just it kind of seems like like Mother Nature was really upset, and and you know all the the weather disturbances and and of course the planet is going through labor pains um, yeah. in delivering the this you know shift into a higher frequencies of of light on the planet, and you know we gotta we gotta work with her if we if we want to be uh, continue to be welcome here. That's right. So, uh, and uh, there's an amazing photograph that came out of the Australian bushfires recently uh, where the sky is all black and the, the bottom of the, the sky is all red and the sun is there sitting in the middle and it looks exactly like the Australian uh, Indigenous flag. And in the Indigenous flag, I'm, I'm quite sure that the red was representative of the red earth and the um the yellow of the sun was representative of the, the nature's ability to renew and nature's constant renewal through the sun and that life force energy and i think yeah it is it is showing us that, that these times um that we haven't crossed our teeth our eyes for instance and right. uh, white folk came to Australia, they noticed that Australia was like a great parkland, well-maintained, well-manicured um, and, and beautiful. And this is why the Indigenous had kept it, like a parkland. Um, since then, um, the, the, the land has not been cultivated in the way that it should be. There's been hoofed animals that have degraded the land and not enough uh, backburning and not enough of the ancient ways in which the indigenous maintained the land and stopped it from becoming so much of a fire hazard. And now, now that's uh, gone on too long and the fires are quite certainly a, um, very exacerbated by those, those that lack of care. So that lack of care is the thing that we need to connect back to, to um, yeah, secure a, a better future. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> On a slightly different uh, topic, are you familiar with Stephen and Evan Strong? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've they've been a guest on the show as well, and you know, working with the um, indigenous people and and the Pleiadian um, um, presence in yeah. Australia. So yeah, yeah they, they a, were a big they, yeah, they were really good. Um, yeah, I love their interviews. I love their work. Um, can't can't wait to connect to them one day. More probably, one of my friends went, recently went on a uh, tour around Egyptian hieroglyph sites in Australia, so she had a great time doing that with them. Yeah, there's definitely some some connection. There's mystical, ancient mysteries and and wonders yet to be um, 
revealed in Australia. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> when you um, when you come to the states, mm-hmm. um, you know we have four um, starseed quests every year in Arkansas, which is the heart of the crystal grid, and the energy there is so strong and um, uh, uplifting. So if you do get a um, a a speaking um, opportunity in um, in March, May, August, or November, let us know. Mm. Yeah, so, you I know, because if you're will. here, you I've can. I've been wanting to make uh, the Arkansas Starseed Quest for a long time, so I'm uh, looking to get to America this year and do some talks. Love to come. Yeah, well, if you could, you know, combine it into a, um, you know, coming to Arkansas and then going and do other things, because if you're going to fly, if you're going to fly yeah. for 24 hours. You really um, you need to uh, spend some time here and and plant your seeds. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is excellent. We're just so so glad that that you were able to be with us tonight, um, especially you know <laughs> finding a way to communicate uh, through the internet so that we could bring you to the audience. So I'm really glad that 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 all worked out. And yeah. um, I. Just scanning. We do not have any uh, callers with questions, but don't take it personally. We very rarely do, so um, uh, we're just so happy that you're here with us tonight. And I want to um, mention again that your website is liferocks.com.au, and your book, um, Connecting Children to Nature, The Essential yep. Guide for Parents and Teachers, um, this you're a number one Amazon bestseller. Yeah. So yeah. That is. Found, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. I mean, when did the book come out? Um, September. Only September of nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So in in three or four months, you you got to the number one bestseller spot. So um, that speaks volumes. Yeah, well, we um, we wanted to make a good first impression. <laughs> well, I I, th- I think you hit the bullseye on that one. <laughs> I just so wanted to mention do- as well, um, Ariel, is in the book we talk a lot about the science kits that we've developed, which are basically like board games for uh, the early learning space where we have a game map, we have a fully illustrated uh, book that I've written and my friends illustrated and we have uh, trading cards that give adventure quests to children to go into nature and explore and do things and come back and interact with the game and inside the kit is also real uh, specimens of crystals, rocks, gems, metals, sort of thing. So we are in development with those kits. We're hoping to get them out by the end of February, which is the Australian back-to-school uh, year, and we will have three kits out then. One of them is metals, one of them is crystals and gemstones, and the other one is the soil kit. And they are all just a really fun, deep dive for children to play and explore those scientific topics in a way that's going to excite them. So, um, so when, when, when and if people read in the book that there's the kits, 
Um, they are on the way. They're coming. We're just chipping away at it. Well, I, I want to tell you that Mercury is going retrograde on February 16th. Okay. And that that would not be an optimum launching time for anything okay. new. So, you. Yeah, you know, so either, you know, if you can do it before, you know, yeah. by the end of January, you'd probably be in the clear or wait for three weeks and then, you know, do it. Um, in mid March. That's a great but, tip. Uh, we might, we might, yeah, uh, do that. I, I would. Uh, you know, you want every advantage. Yeah. And and you know, certainly planetary um, wind at your back would be an advantage. <laughs> so um, something that's this important. Um, make yeah, sure that you point. you know you take a look. I mean, you could probably even. Um, um, Talk to Lavendar about it for just a you know a couple of minutes to find a, mm. a astrologically um, desirable launch time with your chart and and the and the uh, and the transit chart to see you know if there are any um, you know uh, you know win the lottery kind of aspects that that will give the book the best possible launch not the book the game. Okay. So we want to thank you so much for being here with us this well it's it's this evening for us but it's lunchtime for you. Um and it's I always I always have to chuckle when I'm when I'm talking to someone in Australia Australia because it's like I'm talking to the future because you're you, for you it's Wednesday. So you're talking to the past and I'm talking to the future and that just that tickles me. <laughs> it's yes, yes, to Yes, I, I yeah. talked to someone who was a day ahead. So well, um, <laughs> looking good, looking good over here. <laughs> right. So we thank you so much for being with us tonight, Asher. And awesome. once again, um, connecting children to nature. It's on Amazon, and um, the the website is liferocks.com.au. Yeah. And you know, stay in touch. Let us know how things are going. And um, any time that you want to announce something, just all you have to do is ask. Great. Well, thanks, Ariel. I might come back on and talk about the kits when they're uh, ready to launch. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great because that's that's a, a hands-on learning, you know, yeah. engaging children in in the you know a game with nature <laughs> rather than yeah. um, you know circuits and and microchips. That's right. Something to touch, feel, yeah. and have a laugh about. That's good. No, we're really excited. Okay. And I'm really grateful for being on the show and for all your listeners. And thank you so much. Well, you're so welcome. And um, we'll talk to you probably in the near future when you're ready to let that um, that, that game launch. And yeah. uh, we'll look forward to that. Thanks, so Ariel. take care and thank you so much for who you are and the work that you're doing on the planet. We appreciate Likewise, that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So um, that's it for us this evening, and we will be back two weeks from tonight, uh, January 21st, with another great guest. And until then, take some time to experience nature, um, even if it's snowing 
just bundle up. There's beauty in every every kind of weather. Um, and remember to find compassion and gratitude in every day. Until next time, good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 